0: No call to action, but I try, and I try, and I try, and I try. Hello and welcome to Call to Action, the go-to podcast for anyone trying to make sense of the world of marketing and advertising. In an industry that is a minefield of utter bollocks, we aim to capture our heroes and allies from the front line to have a chinwag with. It's like Pokemon Go, with the single but vital exception that it's not a short-term bandwagon of shite. It's brought to you by Gasp, and I'm Giles Edwards, co-founder and MD. Today, I've caught Dave Harland, an anti-bullshit copywriter with massive fingers. Dave hails from Liverpool, where he currently works freelance. After an early job as a football reporter, his fascination with writing persuasive copy developed, culminating in him working a 10-year stint at Park Group PLC, where he ended up as head of copy. A massive fan of Liverpool FC, Alan Partridge and Scrabble, as well as being a talented poet, Dave says, You could write your own copy. No bother, like I could fit my own kitchen. Just some wooden screws, isn't it? But when my doors fall off and my sink starts leaking... I wish I'd got someone in. Welcome to the show, Dave. Thanks,
1: thanks a lot, Giles. Cheers. Thanks for having me. Right, quick fire, Dave. So, Mac or PC? Um, PC for me. Thinking or writing? Thinking, definitely.
0: Fowler or Gerard?
1: Oh, tough one, uh, to that. Think, I think Fowler, old school. Monopoly or Scrabble? Definitely Scrabble, 100%.
0: Four-fingered Twix or superficially damaged chocolate orange?
1: Ooh... Yeah, superficial damage to the box, definitely.
0: (laughs) Roger Moore or Sean Connery? Sean Connery. And lastly, Inner City Sumo or Monkey Tennis?
1: Oh, Monkey Tennis. I have to go naturally into the Partridge accent there. Unavoidable.
0: Uh, So, uh, so Dave, I I know you listen to the pods, which is great. So you probably know the first question, but can you share what your first job was and, and equally... What was your first proper copywriting job? How did it all start for you?
1: Yeah, my my, my first ever job, um, way back when I was, I was I think I was thirteen or four, I think probably fourteen. Um, it was in Birkenhead Market, which Birkenhead, um, just the other side of the river from from Liverpool, where I grew up. Um, the local market. Um, it was it was a job that my brother used to have actually. Um, setting up a uh, or the, the job title I've given myself since was um women's pre-loved shoe stall erection executive um <laughs> which, which basically um was me um helping this this old couple set up their their shoe stall of secondhand women's shoes every saturday um so i go down in the morning and um, help them unload the van around about half eight in the morning um and set the shoe stall up with them and then later on that afternoon um go back about four o'clock and help them take it down so it was just heavy lifting um of, of all of these big hefty shoe boxes off the back of a van slamming them down onto this metal counter um and that was that really yeah. i used to get four four pounds for the morning shift plus plus tea and toast which was a little bonus keep me going and then yeah four pounds for the evening one so that that kept me in um kind of football stickers um whatever else i was into at the time so it was a nice yeah nice little earner for my, for my age 13 or 14 so but i think even at that time it it taught me the, the guy Arthur who, who, who ran the stall. He just he, he was into his crown green bowls. He used to tell me about nights down the pub with his mates, and he just wouldn't wouldn't shut up. So I think even at that early age, I was introduced to to the randomness of of storytelling and just listening to to uh, the, the crazy tales of this guy. I mean, not not that that was a <laughs> that was that was the benchmark for for where I where I kind of saw my future. But I, I, yeah. I uh, yeah, definitely I could I could put up with his. With his, uh, his boring tales from from from, <laughs> from, uh, from day one really, I thought yeah definitely, definitely know how to um how, how to keep people engaged rather than rather than waffle on like either.
0: How did you then get into copywriting?
1: I did a journalism degree, um, which really taught me the fundamentals of writing from um, researching to different styles from editorial to sports and things like that. Um, and then after I graduated, um, I never really did a Um, a journalism job at all. It was straight into PR. Um, I started working for a small agency as a football writer, which was journalism to an extent, um, but then it was only a three-month job. Um, And then after that, I went back to work for for the university where I did my course as the editor of their their departmental website, the journalism department website, and then later on the international. So it was straight into PR and and persuasive writing to persuade um, students to to come to the university and it was talking all about the new kit that they had and interviewing students about their time at the university and even though I didn't know it at the time because let's face it, ninety nine percent of uh, of copywriters they don't start off and or they 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 rarely even know what what copywriting is. So yeah, I didn't really know it, but I was already I was already doing the persuasive writing, the 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 salesy writing, so to speak.
0: Going back to the football writing. Is that as good as it sounds? I'm a, I'm a massive football fan, as I think you know. But how was it writing about football?
1: Um, yeah, it's it sounds brilliant, and and I'm I'm a I'm a huge big big Liverpool fan. Um, but it was such it was such a big disappointment. The, the old leader of my my, my journalism course wangled me an interview at this this agency in Manchester. Um, like a month after I graduated, so it was perfect. I was like, oh, you know, I'm. I'm doing it. This is great. You knew I was into sport and stuff, so I went for the interview. Found out it was um, I'd be looking at I'd be one of three writers um, working on a website for um, an agency, which they I think they at the time it was Barclaycard. They had the contract from Barclaycard to um, to have some kind of web presence. So I was then one of the, one of the three writers to, to, um, to provide the, the, the stories, the articles for, for their website. Um, so I was looking after, um, six or seven Premier League teams. Although at the start, I thought, oh, this would be me, you know, going to matches and, um, interviewing managers and meeting players. It was basically me just rewriting the Press Association newsfeed. It wasn't anything too glamorous at all. So straight away, it was a little bit deflated. I don't think my face fitted there um, because probably within a month of me starting, my old uni got in touch and they were doing case studies and testimonials and loads of promo for their journalism course that I'd just graduated on a few months prior. And they said, would it be all right if we sent uh, a camera crew round to, oh no, they didn't call it a camera crew. They said, all right, we we send a photographer around just to take a couple of snaps of you in your new job. And then they were going to do all of this. You know, promo of me and and a few other graduates talking about all these fantastic journalism jobs that we we'd had. So I said, "Yeah, that's fine, no no problem." So it gets to the day, an uprock six man camera crew. I'm I'm meant, obviously meant to be getting on on with my uh, my work. I'd already squared it with the the main managing editor earlier that day and said, oh, "There's a photographer coming round just to take a couple of snaps at me at my desk." But then what they showed up with all of this kit. There was lights, there was uh, there was backdrops and everything. <laughs> so I was getting my school photo done again. Um, of course, I'm having to uh, just kind of – I, I went, went over to the managing editor. I just said, oh, is it all right if ever get that, that photo done? And he's like, yeah, yeah, no worries. But then it was like, you're talking three hours out of my day. You could just see them all. They were all seething. I'm just like this little <laughs> junior writer just coming, um, absolutely taking a piss. Taking three three hours of my day when I should have been writing about I don't know who the, the you know the latest signer for Coventry City was. There's me just sitting at the front like that, getting my photo done. I think the one positive looking back was that it was probably at the most exciting time the Premier League's ever had. It was I'd just, just joined there, just as Roman Abramovich had taken over Chelsea. So there was that so there was that incredible influx of, of players to Chelsea. I think it was Damien Duff and Maybe Frank Blancard yeah.
0: Joe Cole came in early, yeah, didn't Joe he? Cole.
1: Um, and there was about six or seven. So every day it was and I covered Chelsea like so liked it was great So Every day I was I was writing about all of these great signings, But I mean, at the end of the day, it was still just me rewriting something from a, a you know, a PA news feed, which looking back I, I, I still think I did, you know, better than the rest, but it wasn't yeah, definitely wasn't the, the glamour of a, a football writer's job that I that I thought it would be.
0: Yeah, a friend funny enough, a friend of mine covered Charlton athletic for a few years and what he's shared with me about that job i think he did it for two or three years it it, it sounds so much yeah. better than it is i mean i i um, i had a stint testing computer games as a student which everyone thinks sounds awesome but play i don't know harry potter on the game boy for <laughs> seven hours a day and you'll, you'll yeah, soon change yeah, your mind yeah. they,
1: all, they often do they don't do these these jobs they sound great and then when you actually do it for more than a day it's like oh not again
0: yeah so and then so how have you become freelance then how did that happen
1: yeah so after, after that football writer's job did a couple of other jobs in between becoming a a, a copywriter in-house at a company over on uh, over on the Whittle where i'm where i'm from um i think you mentioned the star park group so they sell christmas hampers to a predominantly female audience and i was brought in as the editor of their customer newsletter so likewise with the um what i was saying earlier about the the fact that I didn't really know I was doing copywriting even then. I was I wasn't, you know, I wasn't writing any impartial stories here or any, anything negative. It was all positive PR fluff. Um but I mean I'm <laughs> this this, you know, eighteen stone ex rugby player guy going in as the basically the editor of Bella. <laughs> so straight away day one it I was I was having to write articles about false False nails, manicures, home beauty kits, and and all all of that type of stuff. And I, I'm the only one, so it's, uh, I didn't I didn't have a team at that time. So um, the, the marketing director just used to laugh his head off. We'd be running through the pagination for the the forthcoming issue, and he'd just be like, "Oh, what's what's next, Dave?" And I'm like, "Oh yeah, just uh, just an article about fake tans, Mark." Yeah, <laughs> and, and he'd be, yeah, he'd just be laughing his head off. Just the, the, me me compared to this this uh, kind of female beauty. Um, re- regimes didn't definitely didn't, didn't uh, sit right
0: And how easy was it to write then given the the, the, the subject matter?
1: Um, yeah, looking back it was um, I think because I had the journalism degree, that even stands me in good stead today because you're you taught to write in different styles you taught how to research um, you taught how to write a, a compelling intro how to how to grab um, people's attention with the headlines so I think in terms of the writing that was all fine, it was really just I suppose getting in the in, into the the female voice and trying to make it look like it wasn't just some fat lads writing an article about about you know about about French manicure. I mean, my my mug was in the, it was on page two of the the, the the little the little magazine and stuff. So I mean, they all knew that I was the editor of it. I think they nobody really put. It. Two and two together, it was just no.
0: But why should they? Why should they? I don't. I don't think that should be yeah. an issue. I'd, I'd find that quite appealing. Yeah,
1: yeah. So uh, looking back, it was. I never, never really, never really struggled. It was just another job. It's just another thing to write for me. Like, like today, if somebody came to me and said, "Oh, you know, I sell." um steel fencing around you know these kids football pictures I, I need to sell that i'd do the research into that and i'd find out I, what um I'd, I'd, I'd probably follow the exactly the same process understand what the what the buyer wants how the buyer thinks talk about all of, all the benefits and stuff exactly how, how i would back then whether it was a five steps to the the perfect french polish or something
0: well, it shouldn't. And it shouldn't be any other way, really, should it? It, it? As you exactly said, it's the process. We, I mean, we are entirely industry neutral because it is the it is the process. And if anything, having that variety actually helps you refine your skill. Really, I would suggest. Yeah,
1: I think so. I, th- I think if you, as long as you've got the fundamentals right at the start, you you you, you can literally write about anything. I mean, obviously, there's there's in depth stuff that. Um, if you if you try and talk about something without doing research and w- without really knowing too much of the the subject matter, um, anything more than say a basic blog post, you're gonna get found out. You can't just scratch the surface of that stuff. But in terms of the approach and how you attack a new a new um, brand or a new. Subject or or anything really, yeah. Provided you got those fundamentals right and you know the the, the, the general structure, I think it's only going to benefit you. Stuff I've written written about in the past, I'd, I'd probably be one of the, the best general knowledge mastermind people because you, you you tend to just learn. I mean, not now, but I mean after you've done each job, you you kind of know this intense amount of of information about really obscure obscure things. Like I, I wrote a website for vaping products a couple of months ago. And I knew everything about that for about like a week. If, if anybody would kind have of asked, oh, what, what do you know about vaping? I'd be like, "Woof, yeah, sit down. I'm going to tell you everything I know about, about vaping, mate. No no, no problem.
0: That's good, though. I like that. I, I don't think it's the first time I've, I've repeated this quote, and I'm sure its origins are Dave Trott. It's that the most interesting and creative people know stuff about stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah, completely agree. It, I, and I think it comes from just this... I don't know. I think it's ingrained from when I was a kid. I mean, I was a little hyperactive, nutter of a kid, um, just always into everything, wanted to know stuff, um, constantly just doing my mum's head and running everywhere. Just because I was inquisitive and I wanted to soak up all of this, all of this info, um, and, and um, I think that's that stayed with me. I mean, I'm, I'm not, I'm not saying every every copywriter thought out as a, a hyperactive, a little lunatic of a child. Just the best ones. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I hope so um but but I, th- I mean that's just that's just my my kind of way of the, the way i've always been always just this little thirst for thirst for knowledge and, and wanting to find out find out stuff um i think that yeah stands me in good stead in the, in the job i do now so so yeah the um that was in in house for that company and then probably about six i was i was there for 10 years so about six six years in the marketing director said um do you fancy um do you fancy becoming become the copywriter um and I said, um, I'd, I'd heard the word "copy" when I did my journalism degree. You, you file your final copy to the editor, and that, that was the only time I'd come across it. But I was like, eh, copywriter, yeah, but well, you know, I'll have to, I'll have to read up a little bit about it." So, I asked them what 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 they need me to do, and it was basically just an extension of what I was already doing on the customer newsletter, but also writing direct mail letters, writing the emails to customers, um, writing product descriptions for the stuff that they used to sell. And writing the sales copy within within the catalogues, it was just a, a, a wider range of. A, a, I just saw it as a wider range of jobs. I really, didn't see it because I'd been doing it in the the, the customer magazine. Um, this kind of salesy, you know, at the end of every um, article, it, it never just ended flat. It, there was always like a, a call to action um, where it was encouraging them to order more or explaining why the the, the gift vouchers that they were saving up for for Christmas you know were um were better than just putting your money into the bank or something so there was there was always an ulterior motive at the end of it and i think it was just moving into the the emails and the, the direct mail letters for for that company that was just and i saw it as an actual extension for that um, of, of that but at the same time i wanted to know more and did a load of reading and um, and found out you know there's really from from my journalistic background there were a lot lots more there was lots more to learn certainly for from the, the, the copywriting side of things in terms of being persuasive and understanding the psychology about how people think and just the, the, the real basics that I, I, I you know, swear by now um, which is which is always putting the reader first always putting benefits before features the real copywriter you know um the, you, you go to um things before you start any job really so did the, the, the company have paid paid for me to go on a couple of courses down at the um well it's it's the idm i think it's changed i think the acronym or initialism is it i don't know partridge would know that um <laughs> he would yeah the, um i think i find it in initialism dave um <laughs> yeah, yeah um, i think it's the institute of, or it, it was the institute of, of direct marketing um it's probably digital marketing or something now and i just did a couple of day courses there there was a guy called paul shooter some of the copywriters who are listening will probably probably come across paul and, and, and i did two courses with him which was um how to write more powerful direct mail letters and just a like a, a copywriting master class where i took a piece that i'd written for the company and he critiqued it and showed me where you know what I was doing wrong, what I should do right, and that really—I mean—that that one day down there, that just blew my mind. I still still remember it now. I've still got the—you know—you you come away with a little folder, like you, you like when you've been on a, an open day at six form or something. I've still got that folder, and I'll still refer back to it now. Just re- the real basics about you being um, simplistic with words, so using words like um, ob- uh, get instead of obtain and needs instead of requirements, stuff like that. He, he was telling me that back then, and I've always kind of used that, that approach right through to email subject lines and, and stuff like that. He, he covered all of that, so it was, it was probably the, the, the best, I think it was 500 quid or something at the time. Certainly the best 500 quid, well, I never spent, <laughs> I never spent a company, <laughs> the best, best 500 quid that's ever been spent on my behalf. That was really the, the eye-opener, so um, I, I carried on working with them for probably another three years. And then a good friend of mine had moved out to Dubai um, to an agency as uh, well, he's partner there now, but he started off, um, I think just as a digital director and just got in touch and said, Dave, do you fancy, um, we've got like an, an IT arm opening in the company. We've got no website. Do you fancy writing it for us? And I was like, um, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, you know, a million and one things running through me. What do I charge? You know, how long is it going to take me? What approach do I take? But I mean, I, my, at the time my confidence was low i had been in the same company for whatever eight nine eight nine years i think i just felt like, i mean it was a local company i'd been plodding along there wasn't particularly any anywhere else i could go in the company Um so when he he came and said do, do you fancy doing this it was like on one i was t- one one side of the, the um you know on one hand i was terrified but then, on the other hand, I was like, "Well, he's if he's confident enough in me writing this for his for his new company, you know, I must have something about me." So that was the first real freelance job I did, which was started of twenty sixteen. It was so not not that too long ago, really. I've still got it in my portfolio now, but for the the, the IT company. I mean, their, their approach was brilliant. It was right up my. It's kind of based on my approach now, which was. um, the IT industry is littered with bullshit. We're targeting a load of small business owners who haven't really got much of a grasp on IT, and our website needs to um, address their needs. It needs to speak to them in their language. It needs to have zero IT terminology bullshit. And when it does talk about anything technical, it needs to explain it in simple terms. So I was—I just went to an allergy town, and that one was—it was just explaining the art side of all these different terms in really relatable ways um and, and they loved it uh, um and, and like i said it's, yeah, it's it's a piece that i look back on now it's in my portfolio um and I, I'll, st- I'll still get clients to the, to this day oh yeah so, so that in your portfolio could you do that for, for us i'm talking like big it and technology companies where they can see it's clear as day how how um simple it is in, in comparison to you know, ninety percent, I'd say, of the of the absolute, the worst of the worst, technical, inward-focused, complete uh, absolute technology, technologically um, backward guff that that you see.
0: It regularly just sounds like two IT directors chatting or two engineers, doesn't it? There's there's too much friction by way of technical language or job. whatever it is. It just always tends to add more friction. That
1: doesn't yeah, make sense. I think I think they tend because that's the language that they speak. It's, I mean, if you're not a marketer, you, you tend to. I think when your your daily vocabulary is acronyms and internal, uh, you know, th- this internal techno babble and you haven't got um, somebody to translate that for your social feed, it's naturally going to sound like that. Um, and, and I think that there's a danger that happening as well when the the directors are or the you know the decision makers who talk that stuff take too much control in the sign-off process um, for, for the, 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 their output, their marketing output, because with all intents and purposes, a copywriter could make it as, as relatable as possible. But then if the, if the IT director then changes it to all all his usual um, techno speak, they, they've got no chance really.
0: I found somewhere you wrote your three key points of keeping it simple speaking the truth and telling a story are there any other rules that you tend to follow
1: um th- th- I mean they were the, the three that I, I kind of started off with back back in, back in the day I mean it was it, it, it's always been for me it's it's always rooted in simplicity um and I know that's that's probably true of nine again I'm, I'm talking percentages but um 90% of copywriters which is let's just keep this simple and when you're talking to clients it's how would you explain this to a 10 year old kid let's let's just keep it in in real um, basic terms so that's that's definitely the one that I'll always do again back to what I was saying before the stuff I learned on that copywriting course with Paul Shooter which was you know say get instead of obtain say needs instead of requirements Stuff like that, the, the real basic stuff speaking the truth again was in life. The more bullshit and and lies, even the little white lies that you spout, you end up backing yourself in a corner and you're going to have to explain your way out of it. There's a lot of claims, you know, with with I'd say that really with some suspicious facts, stuff that they can't really back up, and things like that. The more, um, more flexible you are with the truth, the, the, um, the more chance you've you've got of being called out, I think. People aren't stupid these days; they will call you out in it, especially because social- social media is so accessible well, now they'll just pff, one one wrong word and if someone sees through it they'll just call you out in it and you know ten retweets and you you're in the daily mail so so that's speaking the truth i mean and it's you know that's not to say it's easy to always speak the truth because there's a lot of You know, incredibly dull businesses out there. But (laughs) that gets me on to the third point, which is which is tell a story. Uh, And it's if you tell a story, you can you can literally make anything sound interesting, regardless of what it is. So, say it's a company that sells, I don't know, little. I'm looking around here on a yeah, little little metal metallic washers. Say it's a company that sells them. They're on their I don't know their Twitter feed. They might day in day out they might be saying, you know. Oh, metallic washers are the best metallic washers in the world but it doesn't there's no resonance there's nothing there's no, no relatability if you then spin that into a story and say our metallic washers are used in the latest imac or something or p- p- put a completely spin our metallic washers are used by alder hay children's hospital in this revolutionary piece of kit and then you put some, you know, real tangibility to it. That's that's where you get your, um, that's that's where you, you can um, make the make the a, a boring truth sound a, um a lot more a lot more exciting. Anyway, I mean they're just a couple of couple of random ones of of um of plucked out of thin air.
0: Yeah, no, it makes sense though. It makes sense. And mentioning social media, then you um you recently gave. I'm assuming now that it was in the style of. of- pool shooter but you gave a cracking mini workshop on twitter (laughs) in response to an email you received from holiday oh nice
1: one i've tried to try to do them more um not not so much on twitter but more linkedin um it's it's i'll do i'll do before and after so i'll take an email that i've been sent um not all of them terrible you know <laughs> most of them are pretty pretty lame the one i received the other day was from holiday extras and the, it was just a headline stuck out to me it said we can spot the best parking deals all the way from kent i read it and i thought sound i'm, I'm made up for you i have <laughs> everything down there um what's the point of that you know i, I don't care if, if you can spot the best parking deals all the way from kent i want to know where these parking deals are i want you to tell me you know, you're just a faceless. This is just going to be a, a faceless transaction. I don't give a toss if you're in Kentucky or Tashkent, or, or I think I made a of That's right, yeah. um, I just, I just want be fifteen percent discount or whatever like, that you're promising. Um, and it was just so. It was all, talking about themselves, which is just an absolute no, no. I mean, I preach about it all the time on LinkedIn. Which I mean, my my audience on Twitter is is completely different. to LinkedIn Twitter's all my kind of creative mates, I suppose, who are in on the joke. So when I'm when I'm writing about this stuff, I know they're all kind of just nodding along. With, well, I hope they're nodding along with me, understanding the stuff I'm talking about. But when I do it on LinkedIn, and, and there's, there's a lot of small business owners out there who probably haven't haven't got a clue, or they're not even asked about copy or. or or marketing it's opening their eyes to see how these real fundamental errors can can be can be completely spun on their head and and made so much more positive and they can get more out of it so so yeah so that's that's what i did with the holiday extras one just really went through it with a fine tooth comb the the next line i think the next line down was it just reiterated what it said it was something our kent experts find the best choice of airport parking at the very best prices so I was like, still talking about Kent again, guys. You know, it's it's just it's all it's all a bit in in your face. So once once I've, I've critiqued it, uh, I'll then do how how I would have approached it. So it was just a little bit of humour, um, snappy subject line, relatable headline, honesty, a little bit of self deprecation. Job done. I, I mean, and and that's not for me to. I, I do it on LinkedIn not to say, oh, I agree. This is oh, you know coming come and work with me because look how, how much better I can make this, this, this email. I explain, I do. I, I, I explain my thinking behind it. I always, I always liken it to like it in, in school when you get, you get marks for your work, showing you're working out in maths, even if the, the final, the, the final sum or the final calculation is miles off. If you've kind of gone a around it the right way, you, 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 you get credit for it. I'm, I'm I'll always say my final, or when I've rewritten something, that's not to say it's right. That's just my, that's just my opinion. That's just my, based on what I know to be the generally accepted um, ways of, you know, writing in a, in a better, more engaging, persuasive way. That that's how I would have done it. So I've had I've had some decent feedback from from LinkedIn. Like I was saying, I don't do it to say, oh, aren't I great? Come and work with me. I just do it to show them how simple it is, how, how, how they can do it themselves. And if they want, if they need a hand, if they want me to come and help them with something, that's fine. But I certainly don't, um, I don't approach anybody and go, oh, you know, can I, don't do any hard selling or, or, or whatever. I think that's the, that's the one, the one part of, of Gary V's whole spiel. I think I agree with, because I watched a video of his a couple of weeks ago on LinkedIn. Like it's like, you can avoid them these days. Um, and he was he was talking about his, his wine business and he said, At no point do I say, um, you know, come and buy my wine, come and buy my wine, come and buy my wine. He said, you know, I'll talk about it and and it's great if you do. He said, But all I'm doing is giving value. at no point will I force the wine down anyone's throat. Not I mean, not that I've seen any of his any of his wine marketing stuff, but it was that soft sell. Suppose the fundamentals of content marketing, really. It's 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 given um, it's given the audience advice and information and you know a laugh at times I suppose it's given them value and allowing them to, to, to make the decision when it comes to if they wanted to get in touch with me that's that's fine um, but I've gone off on a little bit of a tangent there we were talking about the best parking deals from Kent weren't we? <laughs> no,
0: nah, it's all good though it's all good it all made all made sense and I and I and I um I mean clearly I'm uh, linked with you on LinkedIn and follow you on Twitter and I, I find them on Twitter much more Amusing and on LinkedIn, as you say, you're you're putting it out as your your recommended approach to someone else's yeah. pre-written ad or something, and it's a good way of demonstrating how things can be more direct and more persuasive. And it's a nice touch. Funnily enough, I used to work at an agency, and they had a fairly light new biz activity where they would find prospective clients ads in local press or wherever they may be and redesign the whole thing and send it to them and say, look, we saw your ad in this publication. We think it should be more like this. Let's talk. So it's, it, it is it is soft sell, and I think soft sell is certainly a place for that, and it's certainly our approach anyway.
1: Yeah, yeah, I completely agree yeah. with the approach. I think it's, I think it's great. I th- um, it's long-term
0: as well, isn't it? It's, 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 it's the long game. It's not the short game.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I, th- I think if you can put your money where your mouth is as well um, – and and show that you, that you know what you're talking about. You can kind of just leave it up to them to make the decision. If they like the way you've done it, that's fine. That's why I'll I'll take the piss a little bit on on LinkedIn and I'll screen grab these companies' email. I, w- I wouldn't do it for you know Barry the builders down in Bootle if he if he emailed me because he's just trying to make his way in life and he probably hasn't got um you know much much marketing background. But if it's a big company, I'll I'll screen grab it and I'll call them out and I will I will you know rewrite it because I th- I think. You know, they 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 should be they should be doing better. It, it shouldn't just be. Um, I mean, can, can, councils and and stuff. I see signs all the time, and it's just look, mate. You, you've done a a twelve foot billboard there with a, with a, the worst apostrophe glaring error I've ever seen. Like, like how is this passed? what what what's going on with your sign off process um so i'll 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 you know I'll have a little bit of a laugh with stuff like that but i'd never i never do it maliciously there's always a there's always a um you know a, a rationale behind it again if holiday extras wanted to call me up and say oh that was a bit harsh i'll i'll you know i'll I'll explain my my thinking behind it like i have done on on linkedin so I don't think it's it's never i don't think it's ever a bad thing um but, um, but yeah, I think it, it, it probably, like you say, it's, um, it, it could benefit, benefit me, um, play it by playing that, that long game rather than going straight in for the, 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 the kill. And I think it's always there in my, um, my back pocket as well. Um, I mean, touch wood, I've been freelancing for three years now. I haven't really hit a, hit much of a, a, a dry patch because I've had, I've had a steady stream of work. But I think if, if ever, um, if ever that was to happen, um, I think that would be definitely one of my one of my tactics to to um, to approach businesses who've who sent me stuff and just show how, how I, I would change it, just to try and a grab a bit of attention, but b um, you know grab, grab grab a bit of money off them as well. Um,
0: well, I think I think your point there um, you made at the start of that um, reply was was particularly spot on is it is the whole don't tell me you're a comedian make me laugh actually showing them how copy could be rewritten so on that i think it's a perfect bridge to discuss something that you wrote when you were just 13 years old which was a poem for your nan yeah just for the benefit of the listeners i just want to play a little recital of of said poem with huge thanks to ollie and giselle for putting this this together
2: dogs for my Nan. There are large dogs, little dogs, vicious dogs alike. They growl at you and chase you when you're riding (laughs) on your bike. If you're lucky, you escape with just a pounding heart. However, some are fast and they rip you apart.
1: Sounds so gritty.
2: Just the other day, I was running down our street when a terrier eyed me and sprang to its feet. I sprinted round the corner and began to pick up speed, but the dog was determined. It had broken off its lead. I turned up the road with the dog still on my tail, but the dog was going to catch me. It was never going to fail. Then everything was silent. It felt nice and calm. Until the dog jumped up and took a piece out of my arm. Now, three days later, my arm is still in pain. I have 37 stitches. I'll never write again. I now look like a freak. I will never go downtown, but justice has been done. The dog has been put down. Oh,
1: God. (laughs) Oh, what an absolute psycho of a child (laughs) wrote that.
2: Fucking hell. Age 13, just just to remind
1: everyone. How dark is that? What was I thinking there? Uh, I think you know what I think I just I remember being bitten by a dog walking home from church once and that just probably stuck stuck in there
0: yeah. but am I right in 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 thinking your, your nan would proudly show that around oh
1: it was on it, she framed it right I give it to her um after this this was like a little homework task I think I gave it to her and she framed it and it hung on the bathroom wall um just to the left, so if you 're standing there um, standing up using the toilet and you look left you 've got this poem of dogs um, staring right back at you, so it was there for i 'm talking a good decade it's only it 's not long come down so um so yeah it 's seen some uh, i mean it 's only seen the, <laughs> the the my aunties and uncles and cousins stuff in, in my hands but um, yeah pride of place psycho psycho oh, dog killer
0: um what a wonderful yeah. lady, especially with such a psycho <laughs> <Yeah, exactly. laughs> exactly. So, do you still do you still write poetry? Um, not so much
1: for fun anymore. I mean, I'll, I'll do it if a client wants. A pe- I mean, you've got all of these national days now, so National Poetry Day and uh, and stuff like that. So, I'll I'll. Um, I'll do a, a, a piece if the, if they need to. Um, I worked with an agency over the over the road from from where I'm based in Liverpool on a new brand narrative for the Liverpool City region um, recently. Um, and as part of that pitch, I wrote a um a, a poem um just to, just to, to tail off the pitch, and that they, they loved it like they they went for it. We won the pitch just just with this poem, which is all about Liverpool. So um I still I, yeah I still like to have a little dabble from time to time. Um, but it's it's not so much fun anymore. It's just it's just um, when I can you know when when the moment when the moment strikes me. So um, I'll do I'll do them on link. I've done done a couple on LinkedIn this year, which had some had some decent feed. But I mean you know talking vanity metrics, likes. I didn't get anywhere off the back of it. But I mean people you know people are like oh yeah I like that. You should do more poetry. But for now we're too busy at the moment. I haven't got the time to. Uh, I'd love I'd love to have that you know a little bit of extra time to to do that, but. Yeah, we'll see.
0: Oh, you should, mate. You should, because, you know, age 13, there's, there's there's real potential and talent there. Yeah, yeah. You work, presumably, then, with both clients directly and via agencies. How how does that differ, and do you have a preference, albeit you've got to be careful to say so, because you don't want to just deter the other
1: yeah, it's it's I suppose they've both got the benefits really. I mean the, the um I I mentioned earlier the the first job I'd done for from my friend's agency out out in Dubai that he was working for. I'm actually still working um with them. So so I I probably Half of my month is taken up doing doing stuff for their clients. That's all remotely, obviously. If they're based, they're based in um, the centre of Dubai. Um, with them, it's I mean, they've they've got huge brands. They've got the likes of Emirates and Nespresso and and Standard Charter Bank and stuff. So the brands are a lot bigger than than who you know the, the businesses that would approach me, for instance. So I've had loads of great exposure to some um, really big, well known household brands, uh, which has has been great in terms of seeing um getting access to their you know brand tone of voice guidelines and and things and being able to adapt my tone for for how they talk to their certainly for their middle east audience but also some of some of the the global uh, campaigns that i've worked on but but yeah i mean i I love working on those bigger brands it's great and it, it gives me the experience um rather than just focusing on um working for local businesses and stuff which is it's great in terms of the the, the work. I mean, the work for me is always the same. I'll take the same approach, but um, just having that wider, knowing that more people are seeing it and and having a bit more of um, an impact on a, on a wider scale, you know, knowing that my email campaign is going out to 13 countries um, across the Middle East and North Africa is like, whoa, just mind blowing. And whereas I know um, again, Barry is the builders down in Bootle. I know, a little brochure I'll do for him is only probably going to see 20 people. Um, but then, that said, that's probably the, the benefit of the local businesses. It, it, you, you cannot put a figure on seeing how much of a, a, a tangible difference you can make to, to real businesses and seeing the impact that you can have just just through showing them some really basic stuff. So when I'm working with the agencies, I mean they, they the talk and the acronyms and the the, the brands, you know, the industry speaking, it's it's just a million miles an hour. Whereas local businesses, I'm I'm going right down to the you know the bare bones of look look, mate. You know we can't just have a, a twelve point list of features here. Um, the the best way is to spin it on a head. And I mean, there's a, a nice little example I'll always give for to explain the importance of putting benefits before features when i'm talking to you know one man band local businesses which is a ao.com did a great one i think paul Shooter actually told me about it i'm I'm, uh, i've mentioned paul Shooter about eight times that shows how how much that 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 one workshop had on me um five years five or six years ago um and it was um when they, they were selling washing machines and rather than Rather than have, say, on Curry's or Dixon's or whatever, their washing machines would have, you know, 4.2 – I'm making numbers up here – 4.2 super low decibel noise level. Um, AO.com would say, this, this washing machine is so quiet, it won't wake your sleeping baby. So straight away, you can see the benefit ahead of the feature. So I'll always, I'll always go, go um, and, and, and try and, um, you know, explain um, things just in, re- in really simple terms.
0: The example I always give for Benefits Before Features is, is that people don't want to buy nails. They want to hang a picture on a wall. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's a great one. That's a great one. Actually, when I started, sorry, again, going off on a tangent here, when I first started out looking to become freelance from uh, from my in-house job, um, I, found, I stumbled across Tom Albrighton's website, ABC Copywriting, and he does that. He's like, that the homepage is just a, a masterclass in um, illustrating the difference between writing and copywriting. You just have you seen his website?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Abs I'm a huge fan of Tom's. In fact, he's come up on the um I think Vicky talked about uh, Tom uh on her episode of Call to Action. Yeah, yeah. He's uh, and Glenn Fisher
1: to be fair. Yeah. Oh Glen Glenn's great as well. I met Glenn last month at a at a conference we were having a having a good chin Um but
0: yeah, both both him and Vicky are, are real experts. They're, they're they're hugely talented and, and lovely, lovely. Yeah, people.
1: yeah, I love love Vicky. Met, met Vicky in London last year, and she's, I mean, even ever since I started off, she you know she, she coined the Copywriters unite, and she's just endlessly reposting stuff about um, jobs and she's dead funny as well. She, she, she's she's brilliant, like yeah. so. Yeah, I got I got to meet her in, in London last year. That was uh, we, I we went on one of our first copy safaris.
0: Ah yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. We have plugged those before. They're they're awesome. They're fantastic ideas.
1: Yeah, it was brilliant. Um yeah, me and me and Dr. Draper, um, Ryan Ryan Warman. We'd um we would had a copyrighted night the night before, so I think we were a little bit worse for wear, but we uh, yeah, it was it, it was good...
0: Yeah, I think I've seen the photos
2: actually.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was an ace one that walking up and down Regent Street, just critiquing all of the um all of the the ads. And um, yeah, no no prisoners whatsoever. I I think I'd, I'd i'd rocked up later. I, I think i'd a had a little bit of a hangover um and then met met vicky and and ryan um another copywriter katie as we were walking down region street um and i think one of the, the first ads I, co- I commented on i think it was a, just a single word i said oh that's a nice word and vicky was straight on to me but what's nice about it tell me what's nice about it. <laughs> <laughs> which is which is great i, I you know i don't I, I'm not challenged in that way um when I'm explaining to my own clients or um you know why is that particular word and I think it's only when a group of copywriters come together that you can really go to town on the the, the power of a single word or or the pace of a sentence or I mean I, I made a point yesterday on on Twitter there was a, a headline from booking.com. Um, where they used they use the word place instead of home when they're referring to rent out your place? I think they're trying to do an Airbnb, and it was rent out mm-hmm. your place. But it was the the the, t- the the way the the word place sat in the sentence just never had the same. Um, it, it didn't sound right that, than if it was me saying you know come back to my place. <laughs> None of my clients or even the people I I work in a co working space where I'm based that no one would just get that. And it's it's great to spend time amongst people. Who, who, who understand a little bit about how you think and and the, the the stuff that you know your thought process and things so i yeah i love i love that that was great on the copy safari
0: and and you hosted am i right you hosted the inaugural evening for the North copywriters unite recently how did, yeah, how did that it was go?
1: the um well it was the first liverpool one yeah i'd co-hosted it with uh, claire barry yes she's another yeah she's based in um she's based near me in Liverpool. Uh, well, I say co-hosted. She sorted it all out. I think she even ordered <laughs> the pizzas. I just rocked up and, and got the first first couple of drinks in. There's a pattern. Yeah. There. yeah. yeah. I'm, sh- I'm showing myself up here. I mean, I shamelessly... Put my um, name to this this um, this co-hosting with with uh, with Claire, but yeah, that was the first um, the first Liverpool one, um, and I, I think there was about twelve people turned up, and it was a it was a nice mix of um, wasn't just writers, there was a, a videographer there and a, a couple of um, social media um, social media managers as well, so it was a it was a nice blend. And like I said before, there's, there's something something really nice about when a, a group of group of writers who Probably certainly when you're freelancing, you really get the time to speak to people who are on your level and understand how obsessively nerdy you are over commas and apostrophes and you know how good was that headline and stuff. You just don't get that anywhere else. So, I mean that that in itself was worth doing. But I mean it's the the whole copywriting. I think it was just a it was a natural extension of what I think is is unique. Among copywriters, in that everyone, everyone backs each other, everyone supports each other. We're all, everyone's just a champion. I mean, I'm, I'm speaking for myself here. I obviously don't know what what other industries are like.
0: I think you're right, though. I, I had exactly this conversation, funny enough, the other week with Ryan Woolman, who you who you mentioned earlier, and he made exactly the same point that there seems to be a, I think proportionally higher number of specifically uk copywriters yeah. albeit ryan's based you know abroad in, in australia and there's others all around the world but but there is a real hub and a, and a core uh, support network which lives on twitter which which is a great yeah thing.
1: yeah it's um it, it's one of the, the, the great things that that enabled me to to, to go full-time freelance as well i mean I, like i said my, when i was working in-house confidence was low i'd only really been doing copywriting for a couple of years when I got the chance to to start working on client stuff, it was like just dipping my toe in the water right where they I go. I'd done a couple of little day courses, but I'm going to have to start building a network here. I mean, at the time, I had probably, you know, 20 connections on Twitter. I've now got like, you know, a couple of thousand. And they're all, like I said before, they're all my mates. It's just my, they're like my colleagues almost. Who are constantly rooting for me? They're in on the jokes. They can have a laugh. Okay, you know, now and again we'll have a little, we'll have a little to do. And oh no, I disagree with you there. But that's the that's the beauty of it. We can we can all you know um, give our opinions about stuff, copy lines, tone of voice, some, and and the fact that it's so subjective as well. You get you get all of these different different opinions. Um, but it's yeah, it's, it's just it's it's amazing. I, I, whenever any any. Um, people come to me and say, I'm thinking of going freelance, we're thinking of doing this. I just say go onto Twitter and start get get involved in conversations. Be keen. Show how interested you are in this. Get get you know, get involved in conversations um, and take it from there. And the, the the rest will follow. You'll you'll build up your network organically then. Um organically, what a shit word.
0: <laughs> I'm. not editing that out, mate. I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave that in. Just to... sorry, I was talking to a client earlier. I was using that
1: type of tech, you know, the usual terminology, buddy.
0: Yeah, well, you have got to speak their language, haven't you? Like you said, that's all fair.
1: So yeah, so that, that's what I, I, I always say to to um to, to people looking for a bit of advice. Your network naturally, naturally, there you are. That's the one better than
0: all. Yeah, there we go. That's better, um, isn't it? Well, talking about that, then I've I've a couple of um listener questions which I'd like to chuck at you. Okay. So asking the general public for their opinion, be it on Brexit or boat names, is notoriously fraught with danger. But that's not stopped us asking for listeners to put questions to our guests. Uh, so we'll start with copywriter Claire. Now, this isn't Claire Barry. It's another Claire. Um, and I originally put this to Vicky Ross in, a, in in a previous episode, but this question tends to be quite divisive. So I thought I would put it at you. So Claire asked, what do you think of emojis? Ooh, um, I, I use them. They're, I mean,
1: they're obviously my mortal enemy because I'm a writer. <laughs> um, but I think providing that they can communicate something, um, I think they'll, and they're, they're widely available. They'll, they'll, always, they'll always have a place, um, especially when you've got you know, less and less time to, I was, am I saying fewer and fewer time? No, it's definitely less and less time. That one always catches me up. <laughs> yeah, we've got less and less time to grab attention these days. I think the, the balance has got to be right. You can't just, you can't just, you know, smash them in every, every piece of communication. If it's done well and it's done tastefully and it's done tastefully is probably the wrong word, But if it's done, I don't know, in a cool way, I think there's a, there's a place for yeah. it. But yeah, nothing, uh, definitely, um, definitely not wholly against them, but. I don't know it's a bit of an on your fence, on your fence
0: answer, though, isn't it? Yeah, but I think that's fair. I mean, I think it's true of everything, isn't it? It's not things are rarely binary. I mean, Murray Calder coined a great term of false binaries, and there's so, there's so many false oh. binaries in our industry where people are forced between saying yes and no, or good or yeah. bad. And and I think you're absolutely right. If they, they could be used really well and really effectively and really intelligently, but using them for the sake of using them, as with anything, isn't isn't necessarily um, yeah. the way to go. Yeah. The other uh, question we've had in is from it's from Mark who is also a copywriter and clearly another partridge fan. So he has asked how would you like to be disposed of when you're dead? Oh my
1: god. How would I like to be disposed <laughs> of when I'm dead? ah oh, um
0: I think that's straight from uh Yeah from it is North, North
1: it. norfolk Who is the best lord lord of the dance or otherwise <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Who invented yeah, who the, skip?
1: the skip? Oh, I could talk partridge all I mean part of, well, what was the question? How would I like to be disposed of? When? I'm, uh, that's it. Yeah. Oh.
0: I think. Yeah, I think for Mark's benefit, it would be unfair not to answer. Um,
1: I, you know, I love in films the Viking. You know, put on a uh, put on a pallet, set fire to a couple of coins, and yeah. sent out into the middle of the um middle of the North Sea. Yeah, that's or dramatic. The middle, of, the middle of the River Mersey, I suppose. <laughs> yeah.
0: somewhere.
1: <for> <laughs> That would be the Scouse burial. Put on a pallet. <laughs> I'm a building. Put two, two pound coins in my eyes. Yeah, draped in a Liverpool scarf or something. Yeah, hilarious.
0: Well, I hope Mark's happy with that answer. He certainly should be.
1: Yeah, yeah I hope I, yeah, I, hope he did it justice. I'm sure Partridge would come up with an equally bizarre answer as well, wouldn't
0: he? Uh, so, the, so the final part... As I'm sure you are aware, Dave, is our four pertinent posers. So, question one is: What advice would you give to your younger self?
1: I suppose it's just to um, it's to have a laugh and to 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 know that business being um, doing business doesn't have to be serious at all. I spent years festering in a in a job that I just didn't like. And and in the back of my mind, because I I used to have a laugh and take the piss a bit, I always thought, "Am I doing this too much? Am I not being taken seriously?" And it was only when I really started freelancing and and did my own thing that that became my voice. And I realised that it's it's a way to um it's a way to actually set yourself apart from other people, um and and you know not not just blending with everybody. I think. Dave Trot always always makes the, the great point of, um, you know, certainly in advertising, people want to be entertained, and I think um, it's probably wrong of me to say it as a copywriter because everything I do, or it, there has to be a, a humour or an entertainment element in it, and I know that's not for everybody, but for the stuff that I do on whether it's social media or any 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 of my own marketing that I do, there's, there's got to have an element of fun to it, and if if my audience doesn't like that, they can switch off, and I know that I know they're not you know they're, they're far too serious for me, so i I kind of see that as a a little a little bit of a filter anyway. It filters out the odds. so I, I know i'm not I'm not just working with, with people who, who um who want to keep things serious all the time, so a bit of a long answer, I suppose, but I'd be afraid of having a laugh.
0: So if you could banish one thing from the industry, what would it be and why?
1: Oh, banish one thing. Um, It would be these throwaway phrases, um, which is more than one thing, but I I, I write about it all the time on social. Stuff like high quality um, and, you know, better than ever. It's like you're not going to make a shitter thing, are you? So it's it's definitely going to be better than (laughs) ever. Or there's a classic one, um, designed around you. It's like who else is it going to be designed around? Is it going to be designed (laughs) around fucking – a Martian. No, it's going to be designed around me or built to last. Like they're going to, like they're going to make it, um, you know, to, just to, to blow away, just little throwaway phrases that people have, people have just, Become the, the, I see them as safe phrases. You just, yeah, know. stuff and
0: stuff, the stuff that you would by default assume to be true. Like when people say they're experts, with yeah, selling yeah, a service, yeah. well, clearly your competitors aren't saying any different, so yeah, yeah, it doesn't help me decide, yeah,
1: yeah. And, and I'll notice, I, I just I don't know if it's if it's just me being weird or if it's a, a trait among amongst other wordies, but I'll notice things like when you hear the phrase, sit back, and what's the next two words that come after. Sit back and relax. They yeah. always say that. Just sit back and relax. Like what what about if I don't wanna what, don't wanna relax? I just want to sit back. But it, it always seems to have to follow. Sit back and relax these four words in that precise order. And it's like just little stuff like that bugs me. Um <laughs> I, I mean that's just a that's just a weird one. The other stuff is is like you say, the um it's it's just um phrases that you'd expect to be true anyway, high quality, better than ever.
0: It's,
1: yeah, yeah. Change change the record, mate.
0: Um, are there any books you would recommend?
1: Anything by Dave Trot. I mean,
0: yeah.
1: my my approach to storytelling, I suppose, on LinkedIn is just absolutely ins- inspired by the way he does stuff. I mean, I don't know what he's obviously the the, the most well read man in history. The fact that he'll, he'll you know. Um, Tom Fisher from Arkansas in 1742. It's like, whoa, where are you coming up with these stats? And then at the very end, there'll be this really poignant message about why you know how, how why you should be creative um or, or you know that the approach to creativity that you should take so that's you know all the dave trot books so what are we talking predatory thinking and i'm sure everyone's everyone's already got them His new one creative blindness i'm, I'm halfway through that but yeah just, one
0: plus one equals three yeah it. yeah
1: that's the other one yeah they're just really really easy to pick up um and read um and there's there's another really cool one that i got recently by a guy called michael johnson um it's it's a little green book it's called now try something weirder um and, he, yeah, he just, it's just, again, really – I mean, I, I get a nosebleed if I write anything more than, say, 400 words. So the, the shorter, the better, and the punchier, the better. Um, and his his book's just great. It just covers, um, I, th- I think, that the whole shtick of out how, how to keep having um, great ideas um, and survive when, you know, when, when you're constantly running out of um, – or running down dark alleys. And it, his whole book is just heavy on the micro copy, which, I, I mean – Again, a lot of copywriters will probably agree. with me. Mean, micro copy for me is as important as headline copy sometimes in, in terms of, I mean, headline copies are impactful stuff, but, the, you know, the, the the your terms and conditions and the stuff, which Monzo and, and the likes absolutely smash. That that little tiny copy um, is it, as important in building the the, the, the relationship long term.
0: Um, well, they, and it's so often overlooked, isn't it? I mean, there's I, I hate using Innocent as an example, but but a good example is their contact page on the website, where instead of phone, it just says call the banana phone on whenever. <laughs> yeah, on, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. It's little touches like that, which which re- they're memorable and they're sticky and they stick in your head and you think about them. Therefore. It does exactly what you want all of your comms to do. Yeah,
1: yeah, and and you read every every single single word of it. I mean, I, um, again name name dropping, but um, spoke to Nick Parker at um, he was at the the Creative North conference last month, and that's exactly what I said to him. I said everything you do or everything you you know he's got um the the voice box um turn the voice kit. I said, yeah, I've got that. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've demoed it um last month with another copywriter who lives near me, Claire Jennings. Um, and we um, and, and I, I ran I, we ran through the whole kit, but there wasn 't a single word um, out of place. every full stop mm. was considered, and every everything was just perfect word perfect and and mm. when something's really that well considered and, and, and it's all done purposefully and, and um it makes it it just makes a great example of how important the the, the small stuff is you should never overlook that that small stuff because yeah. it, it can have such a such an impact um and, and the, the, the book the, the book by Michael Johnson is to now try something weird it does that to t- you know brilliantly um right, right through to the the, the the front cover it's got I think he, every point he makes he numbers it and he, he even you get to the front cover and it's up to like t- number 200. And he's like putting a little footnote next to his name, saying "Don't don't forget your name." And then next to the publisher's um, publisher's little logo, says so something like gr- "Grudgingly leave space for the publisher's logo." Um, and they've all got little numbers next to them, so that's just just brilliant,
0: brilliant to me. And it's, it's that really succinct stuff as well, isn't it? I mean, my um, going on a tangent slightly. My one of my favourite comedians, Bill Burr. He he references jokes sometimes being fat-free, where if you take a word out, it completely loses the joke, yeah. and it's just that purity in in some copywriting that we call it trimming the fat here with copywriting that editing process where you think you know does that word need to be there if I take it away does it still make sense and sure and whatever but funny enough Nick's actually coming on the pod in in a few weeks time so we'll no doubt talk to him about voice box in more detail because as I say we've got a copy here and it's it's brilliant absolutely
1: brilliant yeah yeah I um like I said we, we demoed it um, Claire, um me, and, me and Claire Jennings another another copywriter in witness just round the corner from me yeah I
0: met Claire yeah. Yeah, 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 fan of players. Oh,
1: excellent! Yeah, she's uh, yeah, she's she's great. We ran through the whole the whole kit, and like I said, it's I mean for me, it, it just puts um kind of puts tangibility on stuff that you you already know, but it, it really f- kind of formulates it. It takes a lot of the things that you, you you already really know in your head. It's hard to get down on paper, so he adds. Yeah, yeah. I keep going back to again. This word tangibility. He adds some realism to what you already kind of know in your head about different tones and different ways of speaking that you've never really had to explain before or you've never written down, certainly not explained to clients before. So to have something physical that you can go in and go, yeah, this is. let's run through this exercise, bang, 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 run through all of the different ways you speak, and then at the end of it, here's an exercise, this is how we can write in your tone. It's just genius. I told him that the other week, brilliant.
0: Lastly, then we we always dedicate the show to someone, and we bestow or hospital pass that honour, depending on your point of view, to our guest, who also has to give their reason why. So, so can you dedicate this show to someone, Dove?
1: Um, two, uh, two, well, three. People, let's say three people. The first two going up, going full on Oscar speech cheese here, but definitely me, me parents, me mum and dad, because said at the start, no bullshit, anti bullshit, that My mum and dad are just. They, my mum, my mom keeps it real. I'm talking real as real. Cannot get the, you know, get what's what's the phrase? Can't get the wall over their eyes. But she's just like, like you can't get anything past her whatsoever. And she's she's more anti bullshit than me. She'll see through anything. And once a week, you know, they, well they, they they go to their local pub for a pint twice a week. At least once a week, I'll go and just sit with them and just listen to their stories and listen to how they speak. And I see that. That's almost for me. That's almost as good as reading something because I'm here here now, just the 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 realist of the real speak just amongst amongst themselves, which sounds a little bit wanky, doesn't it? As if I'm completely different.
0: no, well, no, I don't know. But, if it, if it sounds wanky, then yeah. if it sounds wanky. I don't I don't think it does.
1: <laughs> but yeah, I mean, and they, and they always do. They always have done. Keep uh, keep it real. um And then, so they're the first two. And then the the third one would would be, would be, um, the the friend of mine who really gave me the opportunity to to become freelance, which is his name's Matt Richardson. Uh, he's a, he's a partner in this agency in, in Dubai. And I, I still, still speak with him. Um, every week I was out in Dubai with him and, uh, meeting all the guys from that agency in March. And he's, um, yeah, he really gave me that first opportunity and, and believed in me at the start. And I, I couldn't have been, been here without him. So
0: yeah awesome yeah, yeah it goes a long way oh
1: absolutely yeah and i'll never forget that and I, I tell him that he like you yeah, can see him like rolling his eyes and cringing when i do i say i'll never forget this, never forget this mate never forget this but it's it's true it's true if you, if you um you know i think if, i think that's important as well in life if people give d- do a good turn for you it's always it's always nice to if you if you can't immediately you know pay them back it's it's almost it's always nice to let them know that you, that you appreciate it 100 yeah. percent. yeah especially when when it helped when it helped you out i mean I'm 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 you know a million times happier than, than i was when i was when i was stuck in it a, in the a, in a day job like now i'm freelancing so it's it's um you know i've got i've got him to thank for that
0: good on him and, and good on your mum and dad as well
1: yeah nice one yeah yeah i'll let my mum know that, 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 that i mentioned that she'll be like ah oh. you know, embarrassing <laughs> story i'm all I'm, I, I use her for a lot of the a lot of the daft little personal stories i'll tell on linkedin <laughs> with, with yeah. which you always have like it this this you know thinly veiled marketing message at the end um just as an example of how i'll, how I'll tell a story just stuff from like i was, when i was growing up she told me she knew what the internet sounded like and um
0: I saw, yeah, I saw that. that (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. I know what the internet sounds like, and I said, "Hang on, Mum, you bought me a house phone to dial up the internet." This, this is is we now know what the internet sounds like. Yeah,
0: that's it. She's done that. Yeah,
1: yeah. So, uh, and
0: and that's very Greg Davies esque to use your mum as your. uh,
1: yeah. Yeah, I mean, she got me. This year, she probably got she got me a, a fair few... Th- one story at all. she got me like a few thousand pounds worth of business just on the back of this one story where um, I think I was t- mid-20s and she said to me, one day I went round to her house and she went, David, your face is going to explode. And I was like, <laughs> what? I was like what the fuck? Where's this?" From? Yeah, I was like, where's this from? Um, I mean, at the time, I was like pushing 21 stone. So I'd, I'd completely, you know, g- given up hope health-wise. I was eating takeaways left, right, and centre, and stuff. And she'd always, she'd always said, you know, ah, oh, you know, shouldn't you start eating healthier? Oh, they, them clothes, stuff, yeah, just little digs. But then there was that one day when she just said, um, "Your face is going to explode." Um, and I made a point of it on, me, in, on LinkedIn. I said it was, it was the power of those carefully chosen words. She, you know, she called me David, which was like stern. She pointed at my face, which is like the most important part of my body. She said, is going to. So it was almost like a certainty. And then obviously the, the explode bit, which is like, boom, like, like my cheeks are so bulbous, they're going to kaboom any moment. So um, <laughs> that, was the, that was the point I'd made. Um, you know, if, if you're trying to sell something, don't just tell your customers they should maybe lose weight. Tell them their face is going to explode. Uh,
0: <laughs> you didn't need pool shooter after all. The answer was at home. Exactly. exactly. Speak to me, Mark.
1: Um, so, so yeah so Mum and dad brilliant
0: so as a, as a final call to action if you head over to this episode online at calltoaction.co we'll share everything we've discussed in the last hour so all of Dave's book Michael Johnson's um, Tom Brighton, linked to Nick Parker and, and, and everyone else we've, we, we've talked over how else can people get more dave harland then is linkedin and twitter the best um, the best channels?
1: yeah yeah linkedin just do you i don't think you have handles on linkedin do you yeah yeah just just search the, uh, dave harland copywriter on linkedin um twitter it's at wordman copy um and my website is the i thought i thought i'd come up with a daft little brand name rather than rather than doing my own name but it's um it's all right suppose it stands me apart from everyone who just uses the name
0: it's established now isn't it and we'll we'll, we'll link to to all of those so um to linkedin twitter and 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 your website so so dave thank you so much for joining us it's been um it's been brilliant it's been a pleasure it's been a laugh and it's i've really enjoyed it so um so thank you yeah same here
1: cheers giles i've enjoyed it it's been fun
0: and thanks to everyone listening please continue to share and review and thanks again to our Good mate Ollie and Giselle for that lovely narration of dogs earlier. Thanks a lot, you two. <laughs> to get in touch with questions to put to our guests or to give us feedback of any flavour, simply email us at hello at call to action dot co I can't get no call to action. I can't get no call to action But I try, and I try, and I try, and I try
2: Hmm.